Welcome to Tech This Way. Okay. That way, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Amran. Very thanks happy for, to see you today. Yeah, thanks for making the time. <laughs> yes, I just wonder, you know, this red color mic. Do you choose the color for today? Of Go course, see. that was predetermined <laughs> for your his, since your history has something to do with red. Yes, that's right. You know, red has been my background. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, thanks again for for joining me today. Um, we only and normally this lasts an hour, and I know you've got a bit of a deadline today. Um, but there's so much that we can talk about as far as your own experience is concerned, right? Um, nothing to do with your age. It's just that you have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of rich uh, um, experience. I don't know. So, so normally I just let you go as far back as you want to share with me your whole journey on this entrepreneurship world. Uh. Oh, wow. Uh, how many hours do you have? Uh, a couple of hours, <laughs> if that's what you need. <laughs> uh, I, I think we can pick one or two areas of interest. Mm. Yeah. Certainly, uh, entrepreneurship is very much in my blood uh, since a very young age mm. uh, because I actually grew up in a family whereby my dad and my mom, they actually operate that uh, sundry supply uh, in a wholesale format. So, I used to even join the van sales to, yeah, all where, this. Where was this? In Kelantan. Okay. Yeah, so the van will travel to the all the various uh, small towns mm. for us to sell uh, all these uh, supplies to mm. the sundry shops. I see. I guess yeah. it's based in Kota Baru. Like, yes, uh, based in Kota Baru. That's right. right. So I was actually given that kind of exposure back then. Interesting enough, you know, nice. my parents always say that when you grow up, whatever you may do, be professional, don't do this kind of business because huh. it's half life. Yeah. Long hours and uh, it would get a lot of headaches in terms of managing the complexity mm. with the people, with the customers, with the staff, mm. with the stock tracking, with the weather, mm. everything else. So it is actually a very tough life. Right. So son, remember, do everything else except this business. So everything else, even if, if you do another business, just don't do that business lah. Yes, that's right. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's fantastic, right? Even at that age, you're already exposed to the realities of of being an entrepreneur. Right? Yeah, that's right. But it now, sounds like you, you you didn't listen to them, right? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, I listened to them. So mm. because of that, I wasn't in that so-called kadarun chit or the wholesale of the mm. all these uh, you know mm. the supplies. Mm. Uh, and then I went into to be a career or, uh, uh, you know, a, a professional in the technology space mm. after my graduation. Mm. Where did you graduate from? Uh, from UTM okay. in electrical engineering right. in 89. That, I guess, will give away my age. Okay. <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. Just a few years ago. Right. Uh, plus, plus. Mm. Uh, then, I actually went to join uh, HP. That ah, Back okay. then, I was uh, ah. quite lucky mm. because there was a time where economy began to recover and then, I had uh, quite a few offers from the Intel, from AMD, mm. uh, from HP, which mm. is a sales office. And then, of course, that was a time that personal computer was beginning to boom. Right. Uh, mini computers and the workstations were still in very much in use in a lot of uh, industries. Yeah. So, I actually entered the industry during the era. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. Those were the days of the IBM, the big IBM machines and the one computer right. and all that. Like. That's right. Mm. I, I think one thing I really appreciate is also the uh, exposure to company from Silicon Valley like HP because they are the founding company of Silicon Valley, yeah. literally. Yeah. When they go to the garage in yeah. a Silicon Valley, it is labeled there. It's a birthplace of a Silicon Valley. Mm. So I see that, you know, the vision and the passion of mm. two co-founders, they were the entrepreneurs. Mm that has actually spawned not just a good company, but the entire industry. Mm. That has changed not only the the economy of the local people, but also the country and also to the world. Mm. So that's, that's where I draw a lot of uh, my inspiration from. Mm. So you were into the tech space right from the start. Lah. So after the degree, you got into HP. And then what happened to you? Yeah, and then five years later, I think in HP, I was uh, um, perhaps considered myself to be one that is uh, fortunate because uh, I have also shown a lot of uh, initiative. Mm. So I moved from the technical support to the sales and marketing uh, in a form of account management and then the global account and major account management. Mm. So that actually gives the very broad exposure. And mm. I also did the additional uh, management, diploma in management. Okay. At that point in time, right. those days, you know, to to do MBA and all this, it it's wasn't quite easy. Thing yeah, thing so sure. I, yeah. I thought that I was very happy to uh, go through that program mm. and therefore have a precision of the entire spectrum of the roles of uh, management, mm. uh, plus also exposure in industry. So then, that was uh, the foundation to start a business. Ah, okay. <laughs> Five years later, right? <laughs> what did you do? Uh well, with together with a. Uh, uh, two other co-founders, we actually started a business in software development and subsequently to turn into product, uh, which is uh, in a convergent area. Um, of course, as an entrepreneur, we always look out for the gap in the marketplace. Mm. The gap would also mean either the problems or the new phenomena that could give rise to opportunities. Mm. And at that point in time, it was a convergent of computer and telephony. Mm. Everyone was on the line. And then, you know, they call someone, there's, there's a problem when someone is not at the desk, so you need to leave a voice message. Hmm. So then we did that first product, software, hardware, we designed the entire thing. So in other words, we own the product, uh, the IP, uh, the entire uh, design of how to go to market hmm. and how to position the market. Uh, very quickly, with the first product, within the first two to three years, we were the largest provider for voicemail. Please don't laugh, voicemail. Back then, it was very chunky, very uh, sophisticated. What was the name of this company? Uh, it was VMS Technology okay. Voicemail System. Right. And then subsequently, we renamed to Red Tone. Ah, that was the birth of Red Tone, essentially. That's right. But if you go back to HP, right? So you've got a fairly good career going, right? Yes. Five years in. What would, what made you decide with your friends, okay lah, let's let go of this and, and be a businessman <laughs> or be an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, I, you know, the way multinational companies work, they are very efficient and that's a, perhaps a very nice way to describe. Uh, in a way, actually every year, if I use a, a bit of different word, if you perform well, you'll be punished. Punished simply because in a, in a nice way, of course you get increment, you get higher bonus and you get much higher quota. Right. So in order to enjoy the higher incentive, you need to do a lot better than the previous year. Right. right? So the target keeps going up. Right? Yes, yeah. keep going up. Right? Mm. Not, not proportionate to <laughs> the compensation. That's <laughs> right. It feels like it. Like. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I must say that I was uh, pretty well paid and mm. I was very happy about it. Mm. And I just thought that 
perhaps uh, you know there's a chance to make a difference uh, if I were to do it somewhere uh, outside. Right. Yeah. So how was the technology landscape at that point in terms of uh, entrepreneurs? Right. I'm sure it wasn't like today, right? There's a start. You throw a rock out there, you hit a startup, right? In the in the mid '90s, was the environment as conducive to setting up your uh, own No, it wasn't. In fact, mm. you know, my parents were not so so called uh, supportive. They mm. feel that I think it's better that uh, you know I have a stable career, well paid job, and uh, but then we thought that the idea is very compelling mm. to own our product mm. because I can see that owning a product and then to sell not just in a local country but to you know, voicemail was sold to 40 countries just within the three years. So wow. I thought that, you know, having that kind of possibility is very exciting. Hmm. So we say, okay, put all the life saving inside there. It's also not a lot. It's just 100,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a lot then. A lot even uh, today, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, that was the uh, entire life saving. <laughs> so how many of you when you set up VMS? Uh, three of us. Okay. Yeah. And then subsequently, uh, I must say that uh, I want to recognize and also appreciate uh, my old uh, HP friend that has turned entrepreneur. He's uh, Lee Engsia mm. uh, that has given us the support as an angel investor. Mm. So I fully recognize that, you know, the role of angel investor that gave us the kind of support due to trust. You know, I had a meeting with him for about 45 minutes to describe about our idea how it can be so different and so exciting mm. and the way it's positioned in the marketplace would mean a huge opportunity mm. right guess what uh, after spending our 100,000 and uh, after after speaking to him for 45 minutes he asked me how much do we need mm. we said to go to market in a much more significant way we need 1.4 million ringgit mm. So did he follow his 1. chair? 1.4, 1.5. I said, okay, when do you need it? Then, very soon, a week later, the money came in. Nice. That is the power of that kind of angel mm. investment with trust. Mm. The trust link. I think that's where uh, I must emphasize that this day mm. is maybe a bit hard to come by. Mm. Yeah, Because I think we, we know that coming from a similar background, there is this common values being trained in the organization um, and also the wish to really better our life and better the life of the others. Hmm. So the trust is there. So if you look back, what was it about the three of you that made him trust you? Oh, <laughs> okay. I did share a little bit about this. Uh, trust usually also means that we have to be trustworthy. Hmm. Right, yeah. And to be trustworthy, and I like to quote what Stephen Covid has used because I find it to be so relevant even until today. Mm. It must consist of two things that one can demonstrate. The character and the competencies. Mm. You know, someone may be very good in the character. They may be very honest and all this. You ask mm. them to do something. If they cannot do it, they don't have the competency to do it. Do you think that is a trustworthy person that you can mm. entrust a big task to? Mm. Uh, not really, la. not yeah, really. No point, but yeah. if someone who is highly competent, but then can take a money and run away, <laughs> also not a good thing, yeah. Yes. Mm. So therefore, you need two things to come together: mm. character and competency. Mm. Then that makes a person trustworthy. Yeah. So the trustworthiness then could then translate into speed, mm. the speed of decision. Mm. Because I trust one phone call, whatever it is, 
Then people say, hey, okay, this is what you need. This is what I can provide. Boom. Go. Yeah, go. Mm. So how was the early journey of uh, VMS? Oh, uh, the early journey, first three years was really good uh, because we grew from the first year, 1.4 million turnover. Oh, the, the investment was mm. 1.5 million. The, but the first year turnover was 1.4 million for a startup. I mean, wow. to be fair, it's not exactly one year because the first year was purely for product development. It was actually second year, but mm. it's the first year of commercialization. Mm. Then second year was 3 million turnover. Third year was uh, 8 million. Uh, and then fourth year was uh, the financial crisis. No, dot com crash. Mm. Okay. Now, that gave us a, such a very strong uh, a feeling that, hey, you know, we could do something much bigger that we get, we got carried away. Hmm. But obviously, this was before the crash. Lah. At that point, before you, the you crash. were sitting on 8 million revenue the year. And yes. You know, the sky's the limit. Lah. Yeah, that's why we thought that, oh, okay, we could do anything. Who, so, was your, who was your customers at that point? Oh, all the phone um, uh, providers, the, hmm. the names... Uh, are the Panasonic, the NEC, hmm. the the Lucent, the Nortel, the Ericsson, the so, Siemens, so all the phone guys, system, uh, you know, the voicemail system, uh, you can actually connect a third-party product. I see. Yeah. So they didn't have a, a, a voicemail oh, so system themselves? Some of them they have, right. not all. And then whatever the system that they have tend to be a lot more expensive. Hmm. Now, we actually incorporate new technology at that point in time. Right. That was actually the digital signal processing implemented in a manner that is totally software-driven. Mm. And then the processor, not the DSP processor that is actually expensive, but it was actually the, at that point in time, the PC processor, the 386, the 486, that was powerful enough already. So it's largely software-driven. We designed our own voice card. Mm. We have a lot of functionality, a lot of new benefits, and very low cost. Because mm. of that, we can sell almost like double the, the so-called capabilities at half the price. Mm. <laughs> so it was a sweet spot. Like. It was a sweet spot. We had we had a winning product. Mm. But that, you know, confidence also almost killed us. Mm. So what happened? Yeah. Uh, we said, okay, now maybe it's time to develop much more sophisticated product for a wider use. That means we want to incorporate not just voicemail, we want to put email, we want to put fax mail, we're going to put directory service. We're going to put phone service and IP telephony all in one server. We call it communication server. Hmm. Total enterprise communication server. Hmm. You know, we didn't keep, uh, we didn't take a single cent of money out. We poured all the money inside there. Hmm. And MSC was also launched during that time. Right. 96, 97, 98, we received R&D grant. That was a very sizable grant of 3.2 million ringgit. Hmm to fund 70% of the R&D cost. Yeah. So, of course, we put in all our money plus a grant. Then we recruited a lot of people. Mm. Our R&D workforce at that time, at that point in time, was about 50 over people. Wow. And, and this is a three-year-old company. Hmm? Yeah, that's at right. At that point. Yes. Maybe so, you can imagine years, it was a very ambitious move. Mm. Uh, we know we had uh, R&D engineer from France. We have uh, people from Singapore, from India. And right. of course, a lot of Malaysian. Mm. Malaysian who actually came back from overseas mm. as well. Mm. Right? Uh, some PhDs and so forth, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, what could go wrong? 
Yeah. But, but no, and, what? and the idea for the solution itself makes sense, right? Yes, it makes sense. Uh, mm. Only thing is the product was way, way, way ahead of its time. Mm. So then subsequently, I must say this is a big learning. Mm. Timing is everything. It's not just about good product. We had the earlier good product, the timing was right. The, yeah. the subsequent product, the product was not perfect. Mm. You know, any new technology... IP telephony and whatnot, it will take time before the energy, uh, the technology becomes mature. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't get a very strong, uh, customer acceptance at that point in time. Mm. So we need a bit more time to refine that product, right? To go through the maturity curve. Um, and dot com crash, mm. year 2000. Yeah. The whole world went into recession. Mm. And with that recession, a lot of companies, uh, retrench people and they have a lot of extra capacity in their email servers extra capacity in their phone capacity they don't need to buy any new equipment mm. we couldn't find uh, the they users they repurpose la. yeah so we at the point in time had only the cash despite VC investment mm. despite corporate investment mm. we had the cash to last us for only 6 months Okay, and with that we were confronted with a reality that we're going to have to call it a day. Mm. So, uh, a few of us and thought that we need to take a very decisive action mm. on this. Mm. Um, how do we reduce costs and increase revenue and increase cash inflow? Mm. So to stop the bleeding, we need to, at the point in time, we had 100 over people. We need to reduce almost like um, 65% of people. Mm. And then keep only one third. Mm. So at the end, we, we from 100 over people, the size reduced to 60 over people. Right. right. And then to repurpose a communication server to become a smart call server. Mm. Okay. This is where we constantly look at where is the pain point in the marketplace. Mm. Uh, dot-com crash is one thing. Recession is another thing. And the industries actually continue to, to want to save costs, right? Corporate want to save costs. Mm. You look at the top three items in any of the of top five items in the normal P&L. Mm. They have office rental. They have the, uh, what they call that, the headcounts. Stuff, stuff costs. Eh? Yeah, then they have a phone bill. <laughs> right. So we can help them reduce the phone bill. Mm. That was uh, the birth of discounted call or VOIP call. Right. We repurpose that and connect to their phone lines to route the, the phone calls to our server and out to any destination, mm. be it domestic, long distance, yeah. or overseas. Yeah. And then at the same time, there's another segment, which is the um, foreign workers. Mm. The foreign workers need to make a call back to, let's say, Bangladesh. Mm. One minute used to cost them almost five ringgit. Mm. We sold at 350 and still be very profitable. and still make one ringgit per minute. Yeah. We're talking about back then in 2001 mm. yeah so with the call shop we really proliferate that right uh, that was a very major turnaround and by this to time reposition, it, was, it was red tone uh, yeah we have called it red tone since uh, 1999 right 1999 year 2000 mm. yeah so 
this is how we reposition the company. But then the six months while we reposition the company and and also to relaunch the product, we didn't know whether we could make it or not. So then we had a very rigorous program. Mm. Everyone would be on very severe pay cut, you know. As an entrepreneur, I didn't take much pay anyway. Mm. I was taking like one third of the pay that I used to get. (laughs) And then, we set a six-month target in terms of our revenue and also collection. Mm. We must hit both revenue and the collection in order to get our pay. Anything, one of the items short of that, then everybody 10% reduction of the pay. Because you figure out that after six months, assuming we, if we don't achieve any of those target, mm. there's no more pay to cut anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so this is real for everybody, right? Eh? Oh yes, yes. This uh, is not just oh management will decide for us whether we get it. No, everybody will feel it every month. Oh yes, everybody, and then every day we actually publish how many new customers or who are the customers, mm. and also how is the revenue. Mm. We got a track with the data, so. That's why, you see, managing using data is so important. Mm. We must make it very visible. Yeah. So everyone know that, hey, you know, the collection for today is X dollars, yeah. right? How far are we from the our monthly target, right? Mm. Everyone must do sales. Everyone yeah. must do collection. Yeah. And of course, the R&D must work day and night to repurpose the server, to come up with a billing system, to come up with a tracking system. Mm. Um, then, first month came. We achieved the monthly the target. Mm. drive new and the collection. Mm. Second month, we continue to achieve that. Third month, we continue to achieve that. And then that momentum carried on for six months. And from there, the momentum became so strong already. Mm. Then the company officially become a discounted call company. Right. Yeah. And then the revenue from the, you know, crisis year of 8 million. Then we did 12 million, then we did 14 million, then we did 30 million, we did 80 million, then 160 million, and that, that was the time that we listed the company. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was the early days. <laughs> yeah, and your early days wasn't even in the span of that many years, right? You're looking oh, at about yeah, 10 we, years? 10 we listed years? the company uh, after 8 years. Wow, that yeah. is really amazing. Yeah. Even, and especially in those days, right? Coming yeah. out from the dot com bus. Yes. Right when that's it lah. I mean, everybody had to start again. Forget nobody wants to go into the tech business again after that, right? In terms of <laughs> yeah. investment, right? right, right, yeah. So, we listed in two o four, right? Mm. Wow. So then two o four, you listed. Mm. So okay lah. So finally, the 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 big pay cuts and all that. Uh, you know the 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 compensations came back lah. So yeah. Then the, of course we 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 of course uh, get a kind of big payback lah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But again, at every point, it was either you could continue or completely stop, right? Especially the uh, yes, yes, uh, it was very real, very real that mm. we we thought that okay, maybe we have to start thinking about what to do after six months. Mm. Yes, yeah, mm. uh, and especially when you can see that two thirds of the people are gone, mm. the feeling was like so down. How to pick ourselves up, right? I think that was actually very difficult time. Mm. You know, mm. uh, on one hand, you need to have morale of the people to be all like up again, mm. right? On the other hand, they see that oh, you know. Is actually not so encouraging at all. And the macro picture is really not encouraging at all. So we need to find ways to survive. I think survival is a one big push for us. Mm. And I guess that transparency that you provided for everybody to see, right? Oh, yes, that's right. That helps, right? Yeah, because everyone needs to be on the same boat. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think the problem with uh, sometimes large companies is there is that lack of transparency, right? Sometimes you wonder what management decisions are based on because you don't really see what's really going on, right? Mm. When it's so flat like that and so obvious, well, it's either I work for my pay or I don't contribute, I don't get. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the macro picture at that point in time was that you can be very transparent Perhaps there's no threat of people leaving simply because if anyone were to leave, there's there's uh, also a uh, the great difficulty in finding any other job, mm. right? Yeah, we job. might as well make this ship sail together. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Did you lose anyone? Any of the sixty odd people? Uh, no, no. Somebody? During that point in time, no. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And we, in fact, you know, I still recall we had uh, employee zero zero one. Mm. In fact. It's like a co-founder, hmm. right? That has stayed true in the company until today. Wow, that's <laughs> loyalty, right? Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. So, how was life? How was the company different before and after IPO? Oh, after IPO, then we had more resources and we continued the growth. Hmm. Yeah, and then went to consumer sectors and so on. Hmm. And the good time didn't last that long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the adventure continues, lah. Yes, the adventure continues. Hmm. Uh, now, of course. At a much bigger scale, uh, armed with a lot more resources, then it would be very different ball game. Uh, mm. because this kind of call came to the almost the sunset. Uh, right. yeah, towards uh, uh after the two o o six, no, no, the mobile, uh, mobile phone sector, uh, mobile services become mm. more competitive. A lot of price card. And then overseas uh, call became uh, very cheap, mm. and now it's free. Mm. Right? So we we can see it writing on a wall. Yeah, yeah. So there was a need to reposition the company mm. to become um, broadband and data service provider. Okay, and there's a need to be selective for right. the corporate sector mm. and the government sector. Mm. And that business stay on until today mm. uh, in red tone. Even right. though I'm no longer in red tone. Mm. Yeah, and then the other one was uh, also to move into government sector. Especially to do the uh, rural, mm. um, what they call infrastructure, like towers or base stations, mm. right? Uh, okay. That that was actually more of the government job uh, mm. uh, from the MCMC, mm. right? So yeah, we need to develop new capabilities uh, for that, and that mm. also become uh, today one of the major contributor to mm. uh, Redstone, as I understand. Mm. And then as far mm. as I'm concerned, uh, there was this uh, general offer made uh, to Redtone that was in 2015. Mm. Yeah. So most of the shareholders have actually accepted the general offer. Right. Yeah. And then I stayed on uh, on the board until 2016. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mid of 2016. Then thereafter, then I left and then continued to do. Uh, since I actually have been the beneficiary of the angel investment from trusted friend. Mm. Uh, I thought that one way is also to reciprocate by by giving, you know, the some startups mm. that kind of opportunity to really realize hopefully a greater potential that they could uh, uh, foresee. Mm. And therefore I then have been doing angel investment since then. Okay. Yeah. So before we go into the the second lease of life la, in the angel investing world for you. One last question on your corporate life. So how did you see the, your own change 
in terms of management style, eh, from the day you were a founder, so obviously you, were, you had to be very hands-on, right? Mm. Um, to the company growing, now you have a bigger army under you, and then you went public, even bigger and more resources, as you said, right? How has your own personal management changed throughout that journey, right? From a founder to CEO chairman at the end. Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, the the change is actually an informed change. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? Informed in a sense that we know that at various stages, and of course, uh, personally, I've been reading quite a, quite a bit, and then also getting a lot of exposure uh, through the Young President Organization and various organizations, and also I was in PICOM, in the council, and also the chairman. So certainly, uh, I am well aware of the need of the different style, management style, as well as the capabilities at the various stages of the company. Mm. Uh, yeah, growth growth mm. stage or startup stage, growth stage, mm. mature stage, and rejuvenate stage, and all this, mm. and turnaround stage. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm actually pretty aware of mm. that. So when I uh, have a chance to bring in the uh, other professionals mm. in the team, mm. um, and quite deliberately, I actually choose to be quite hands-off. Mm. So, so then, at which stage did you realize, okay, I need to trust other people with your baby? How, how, at, w- at which, when, what point was that transition? But trusting our people has been happening from day one. Mm. From day one. So it is not like at which stage. Uh, but hands-off is another thing. Mm. Hands-off would be more after the listing. Right. Because after the listing, there, there have been a lot of, uh, uh, involvement in the investor relation. Right. Yeah. So a lot of time spent outside the business. Mm. Yeah. Simply because the stakeholders become very varied and very diverse. Mm. And to be able to take care of the stakeholders, I just find that it's not easy to delegate. Right. Uh, that's where uh, professional management, the other partners that will continue to uh, run the company while, uh, while I enjoy in the more of a management of the stakeholders mm. as I can relate to them mm. and also I like to learn about how fund management work how I know some of the some of the strategic uh, so-called trend out there or some of the mega trend and so on how we can be more strategic about mm. it right mm. and therefore from there I actually venture out to the international uh, so-called investment mm. uh, of the company mm. uh, that namely in the China as well as in Pakistan so Pakistan, we didn't have uh, uh, that kind of um, good experience, and mm. uh, that was that that wasn't uh, successful. Yeah. So we get a pullback, and then China was a successful example, and we had a very good run for almost ten years. Mm. Yeah. After okay. listing. Right. Yeah. Right. So okay. I tend to spend a lot more time and energy outside and looking at a big uh, macro, macro picture mm. and participate at a strategy level. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I enjoyed that. Okay, mm. Mm. I guess it's a natural progression, lah. You're saying from you know a founder that has on hands on with the operations and day to day growth, yeah, to a point when okay, now you bring in the professionals to operate, whereas then you can start looking at the bigger picture, lah. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm. Okay, so now let's get back to your more fun part. After that, I guess is that <laughs> some more 20, fun? <laughs> 2016, roughly, you you know, you step down. Yeah. Um, and then okay. What are you going to do with yourself? So you decided to start investing. How, uh, how did that okay. journey go? A, f- a few things that I, I did. First of all, 
I always enjoy learning. Hmm. So I've been very active in the YPO, hmm. uh, local chapter as well as the international, uh, the what they call the different part of the organization from the industry network to the regional grouping. Hmm. So I actually have been joining a lot of learning events, hmm. uh, literally around the world. Hmm. Yeah. And I do read up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when I come across um, interesting ideas, I like to kind of start, you know, putting some tests and some investment into this. Mm. So uh, back then we can see that the growing trend uh, was in the IoT, was in AI, and also in the health tech. Mm. And of course, more traditional business like uh, mobile services, mobile content, this uh, there was this was some of the areas. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I I could uh, actually meddle into some of those areas. Uh-huh. Yeah, by putting some investment. Uh, and bear in mind that um, during the Red Tone time, uh, the Red Tone has also spun off quite a few companies uh, okay. along the way. Right. So some of those have also grown, hmm. and because the people whom I also know, they asked me to co-invest with them subsequently. Yeah. So I also made investment. Hmm. So because of that, the investment tend to be of a smaller ticket to a bigger ticket. Hmm. Yeah. Some bigger ticket I have invested like a, uh, like three million per ticket item. Some hmm. like a half a million. Right. So it's actually pretty sizable. It's not like. Angel investment like fifty hundred thousand mm, range, not right? like seed or pre seed. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not okay. so much of that. Mm. Yeah, so and also I tend to choose areas that I could add value, and then I find that that kind of joy in adding value. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you ask me to go into manufacturing this, uh, uh what I call a red color wrapper for the mic, maybe I may not have interest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's important, right? You yeah. need to have a bit more of a. You need to have a passion in the investments that you make, lah. So that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you keep up with understanding the the different types of technologies that you know these guys who come up to you with? Hey, that way, you know. Oh wow! I, I I enjoy learning. Hmm. So learning is the one that keep me going, and hmm. I feel very energized by that. Hmm. Yeah. So because of that, all the different so called uh, uh companies that I I put some investment in, they could be at the different stages, and then some of my friends in Silicon Valley suggested that hey, why don't you look at putting them into a fund of which is your personal VC fund, for mm. example. Yeah. So that, that was a way of doing that. And then subsequently, more recently, it's like, whether it makes sense to create a SPAC, ah. <laughs> Special Purpose Acquisition Company, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, but anyway, I think it's not at that size. And, and then three, four years ago, I also have experimented with the, the ICO, mm. Initial Coin Offering. Okay. Uh, that was the blockchain. Boom years ago, that was yeah. a, no. I actually I look at in, into that during the the tail end of the boom. Ah, so uh, it before it, it, the it regulators all jumped in. Yeah, yeah. It didn't work. It didn't work for me. Right, yeah. Right. So, but from that uh, kind of uh, involvement, hmm. uh, then I have a chance to learn about uh, blockchain, about hmm. Bitcoin, about uh, Ethereum, hmm. and uh, so called the. Uh, distributed community or decentralized community mm. and so forth. Mm. And of course, that whole blockchain world and technology has also devo- evolved so mm. much right now. Mm. Yeah. So that is another big topic on its own. Yeah. Um, so because of that involvement in all the different areas, um, 
I then tend to also get involved in understanding some of the uh, component technology, how it works mm. and where it's applicable mm. and how it can make impact in the industry, in a community or in a country. Mm. So that has helped me a lot in my role in the national service as well. Ah, okay. Mm. So we'll, we'll go into the national service in a minute. I wanted to go back to your own view um, with all your investments that you've done so far, right? The successes and the failures in there, right? If there is another new startup or, or founder who goes up to you today, right? Mm. So based on your experience, what what would you like to share with those guys, right? The things they need to do, the things they should stop doing. <laughs> uh, so far, you see, seeing all the different businesses, mm. uh, I I think in the first place, what I'll tell them is I would not, at the early stage, right? I will not rely on business plan. Mm. The last thing to rely on is the business plan. And okay. the financial projection. Because everyone will give you a financial projection that looks like exponential curve, right? The hockey stick. Lah. The hockey stick, right? And in, in reality, none of them will actually <laughs> present a hockey stick kind of growth. Yeah, yeah. My personal experience and also in a, quite a few other companies that I I'm, I was directly involved uh, has not shown such a curve. And mm. in fact, globally also he has not. Mm. Maybe you stretch the curve in, in some highly... Uh, exceptional companies yes you may see that mm. but most of the companies will see all kind of uh, <laughs> ups and downs and ups and downs area, along, along the way and, yeah. yeah so um, I, I could safely say that people will be the number one factor mm. that means the capability of people that the strong values and enthusiasm mm. or sometimes they call it passion mm. right I think that has to play a very important part mm. right uh, because in order to be able to trust that uh, investee yeah. trust then the, the party has to be trustworthy mm. so back to to be trustworthy the person must have the character mm. and also the mm. competencies yeah. yeah yeah. so it sounds like you are investing in those people uh, as opposed to the great brilliant idea and technology that they bring to you then yes uh, yeah there are some investment that may not seem like working uh, like five years ago in mm. startup of electric cars in Europe and they're going IPO this year. So you see that ride was so bumpy along the way mm. at any point in time they could have closed down. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the perseverance of the people. You know, mm. people can go on for months and even one, two years without pay and the whole family will support them knowing that they yearn for that breakthrough. Mm. They mm. yearn for their success for mm. themselves, mm. right? Yeah. So I see that to be a great example of what the startup or founders uh, should mm. do, mm. right? Because otherwise, people like the kind of cozy environment, aircon, everything you know, nicely planned for, and then money all come, easy life. I, I'm not sure how much would would that help to mold that strong character of a person mm. to have the resilience mm. towards facing adverse, uh, adversities. Yeah, mm. yeah. In your in investments so far, I don't know if you mind sharing, what have been the the more memorable ones, um, companies that you have invested in? Memorable, positive or negative? 
Um, you, know, you don't have to name names if you don't want yeah, to, but you know, yeah. just just to get a sense of the kind of companies that you know you've, you've gone through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I think they you know European company that since I've quoted already, hmm. I find that even though these uh these were the young professor who came from the university, but they really have that kind of spirit, the fighting spirit, that spirit to persevere. I can see see it through. Uh, when the you know, first time they presented. Hmm. So they had a prototype <laughs> right. that that has got a little bit of a mention somewhere as they won some recognition. So they said they wanted to have some money. So I put in money early. Hmm. I think these are some of the examples whereby if you talk about monetary return, it's going to return in many, many uh, uh, fold more yeah. than your investment. I have also seen some, they may come from a very illustrious uh, so-called um, background in terms of where they graduated from and also where they may have worked before mm. they you know that may look like fantastic on mm. CV and then the energy level is not there as mm. a startup mm. because there's the need to be able to embrace the uncertainty go through the very difficult time and persevere long hours mm. I'm not asking everyone to try to kind of go through a hardship unnecessarily yeah. Yeah. but there will be time whereby startup will not have all the resources mm. because you don't have the army of uh, 10,000 people mm. under your command yeah. right? so you need to do a lot of things yourself and you need to find that you can enjoy doing it Mm. Despite, you know, all this uh, uncertainty, long hours and whatnot. Yeah. 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 So I find that, you know, those are not very memorable, but it's a big learning for me. Mm. Uh, the other more, more important so-called consideration for investment is also timing. Yeah. 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 Because you let's mentioned. say, you know, timing for some technology or some application uh, may not be ready due to, say, ecosystem. Mm. Right. Let's say if someone were to um, go into 5G application. Okay. Any form of 5G application that uses uses the the core strength of 5G. 5G has uh, three characteristics. Okay. One is ultra high bandwidth. Mm. That means up to one gig of uh, bandwidth. Mm. Number two is that it's a um, massive machine-to-machine connectivity where it can connect 1 million devices in 1 square kilometers. Okay. That, is a, that is actually the design of 5G. Right. 5G is capable of connecting 1 million devices. Wow. Right? Mm. And then also the third uh, so-called characteristic or feature is that mm. it's ultra-low latency. Okay. That means from base station, point-to-point, uh, point, right? The latency is like less than through the wireless and then transmit through the fiber uh, it's like less than 0.01 or 0.03, uh, 0.03 second. Mm. Very low latency, mm. such that you can do remote surgery. You can have a, a yeah. surgeon and a remote robotic arm and whatever you actuate here on the mm. so-called uh, remote side, the robot receive it right away mm. and do the so-called uh, whatever surgery oh, move. Yeah while you are seeing the mm. 4K video. Mm. So that means a 4K video and the movement and where it cuts. Yeah. Right? Almost no delay. No delay. It must mm. be real time. Mm. So these are the three characteristics. Let's say anyone were to say that I want to have an application that utilizes all these three things in one go mm. right now and expect to have good business. 
then the timing is too early. Yeah. Right. right. You right. need to perhaps be patient to see through, be maybe let the, the technology be implemented and mature and then perhaps three to five years down the road. Mm. Right. Mm. But some of the early application that utilize the bandwidth, that is okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can see, let's say, some of the virtual reality on the live event, let's say sports live event mm. using the, um, the live, uh, 360 camera. Mm. I think this is really coming to become big thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the technology can support that in the next one year or two. Mm. So it is not too early mm. in a curve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So timing is very important. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, too late where there are a lot of uh, players already, unless you can do it much better and cheaper, Me Too is okay, no? Mm. Me Too is perfectly alright, as long as the model itself allow you to have the kind of a key strength against any other offerings out there. Mm. Okay. Are there any specific new tech or new areas that you're excited about right now? Wow. Uh, I'm actually watching this, the area on a space technology. Okay. Because space technology has got remote sense sensing. You know, there are a lot of eyes on the, on the sky, literally. Mm. Mm. And then our, our ground, our earth, our formation mm. actually emits a lot of information. Mm. Right. So all this can be analyzed. It can give, uh, give rise to new insights. Yeah. New, new planning, new opportunities. That, that's one interesting one. Mm. Uh, less explored today. Mm. Right. So navigation. Uh, so because combining the space and the ground, that becomes a very powerful combination. Right. right. We'll come to that. Lah, huh? Okay. And then the other one is a green technology. Lah. Mm. And yeah. the words green technology means it must connect with the agri-tech. Yeah. It must connect with the also nature. Mm. Right. So mm. that part, green, space, and yeah. Some of these okay. are interesting areas in yeah. my mind. Right. Uh, though I've not gone in in a I mean, I mean, kind of double a little bit here and there, yeah. but not in a big way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, last question on these investments that you make. You just mentioned, you know, you don't double too much into it. But for the ones you have invested in, mm. how how much time do you bug these guys in terms of their day to day operations? Do you know? <laughs> you call them at two in the morning. Hey, I've got an idea for you guys. You know, do this. <laughs> or are you like okay? I trust you. Like your initial yeah. investor. Wow. Yeah, I think largely is uh, uh on on trust lah. Mm. Largely, yeah. Of course, we will catch up uh among the in- some of the investors company. Mm. Some are, are like you know, the partners that started this one. I, I joined join in. Uh, quite a few of them would expect me to to be uh, involved in the business in right. a more so called uh, uh involved manner, mm. and I, I try not to. Right. Yeah, because I think it's not to do, I would not be able to do justice if I'm not able to dedicate the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Although you mentioned that you do want to invest in companies that you can add value yourself, lah, beyond, yes, beyond yes. just the funding. Yeah, but add value doesn't mean running it. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. More so right now, I think my attention span is uh, quite fragmented. So mm. it's un- unfair, mm. right, to hold any position mm. without uh, being able to be there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, that, yeah, so your, your time spent a bit fragmented and you also mentioned that you are starting to do a lot more, uh, national service, lah. If you mm, like. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do share. What, what, what do you mean? What are the areas that you. That, that seems on? to be quite a big topic. How's the, how are we doing? We uh, are just about 50 minutes. Okay. So we've got another yeah. 15, 20 minutes if you yeah. want to go. All right. All right. Yeah. So, uh, just a briefly touch on, uh, 
Yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm just making sure. Yeah. Okay. We can go on until about say two o'clock. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that'll minutes. be yeah very nice. Mm. Mm. One of the uh, I think more important current role is to serve on this um, uh, National Council of Digital Economy and uh, for IR. Yeah. Uh, for Industrial Revolution. Mm. Uh, that's uh, chaired by the PM. Mm. Uh, the Secretariat is with the uh, EPU. Mm. Um, so, last month, the Prime Minister has just launched My Digital, yeah. which is the Malaysia Digital Economy Blueprint. Mm. Uh, it is a 10-year uh, blueprint. Mm. And this is the first time, I believe, because, you know, I'm fortunate to grow in the in the backyard of MSC. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you recall, we started the business in 96 and when that was during launched, that mm. year, <laughs> MSC was launched yeah. and then uh, Red Tone at that point in time went in to apply and indeed, we were one of the founding MSC status companies. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, and so much of the involvement with the uh, MDC back mm. then right. and subsequently MDEC, MDEC. Mm. and of course time also changed with uh, all the different uh, CEOs mm. and initially was the executive chairman yeah. and sub subsequently the various CEOs along the way and coming from the industry uh, quite a few CEOs were also my ex-colleague Mm. Okay. <laughs> From uh, HP days. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not surprisingly, uh, uh, Or not yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. And what we uh, could see is that MSC, while it evolves over time, mm. uh, it hasn't been like a whole nation approach. Mm. Right. It was Cyberjaya and Rajaya, uh, Well, uh, of course, the uh, early days. Uh, there were a lot more so-called uh, intensity based on location. Mm. Subsequently, it that has also expanded to include the to include the you know the digital inclusion and a few other initiatives, mm -hmm. right? And then the pillars that that has been talked about will be like digital talent, and then R and D, creative industry, yeah, uh, and so forth, mm. right? All have been well and good throughout the years. Mm. Now this is the first time where the country would be able to benefit from that foundation that mm. has been laid throughout the last mm. many years, 20 mm. over years, uh, to launch a whole nation approach okay. in transforming our country. Mm. Um, whole nation approach here would mean everybody in the society, all industries, and all government agencies all ministries embarking on that digital journey. Mm. Right. So mm. to to be able to achieve some of the important goals, six strategic trusts um, have been put in place. Mm. Uh, the first one is the digital government. Okay. We have been hearing about, of course, our e-government and so forth mm. for many years already. Yeah. Uh, and we find that in terms of the ICT or digital adoption in the various government agencies, uh, they are there and some will do a lot more than others. Mm. Now, one key so-called experience have been that the data have been sitting with uh, all the various ministries. Yeah. And quite often, there's no mechanism to share. Mm. 
and their processes may not be streamlined. Yeah. So each ministry, each agency still operate very much on its own, mm. right? While may be highly automated, right? So digital government here means that, uh, first of all, is to put all the government data on cloud. Mm. In these two years, the target is to put 80% of the data on cloud. And then when the data are made available on cloud, then you see the big data analysis, a lot of correlation would make sense. And then the processes can be streamlined. Mm. And in five years, 100% of government data shall be on the cloud. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And along with this also, there must be a very rigorous uh, uh, initiative and effort to protect those data. Mm. Yeah, of course. That goes, yeah. So therefore, mm. the cybersecurity and all this, mm. so it will bring the new capabilities yeah. to the government. Okay. And to have the government to fully embrace and utilize the power of the kind of digital and in the digital transformation, mm. uh, literally all the government uh, staff will have to be trained or retrained mm. uh, in the uh, use of the digital tools and mm. facilities. Mm. So, can you imagine when uh, our all our civil servants are digitally more competent? Mm. So that can be a very major driving force, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the digital government. Mm. Second part is actually digital infrastructure. Uh, I think perhaps we would have to also imagine that it is an intensive build up of the digital infrastructure. Mm. Fiber optics, towers, and then moving on to 5G. Uh, you have heard mm. of Jandela, yeah. uh, with the 21 billion of the fund from both the government as well as the uh, private sectors towards building our infrastructure, digital mm. infrastructure, mm. such that everyone can be connected yeah. in the uh, in the city as well as all the remote, mm. remote areas. Mm. Right? And then to be connected in that manner that is with a high capacity, with a, a lot of uh, fiber backhaul, mm. then it would then uh, enable all this, all this uh, what they call the online education, online healthcare, mm. and all the rest of uh, the agencies, right? Yeah could uh, actually utilize the power of the, mm. the digital services. Because mm. once that, yeah, once digital that backbone has been set up. That's mm. right. Yeah. Now, the third, the third strategic trust, it is uh, about digital workforce. Okay. So, you find that a lot of location under the, all this, uh, from Prihatin to Panjana and moving on a lot more, which is also to retrain and to upskills a lot of current um, workforce mm. uh, and also um, to to make uh, digital talent available um, to the whole community, to the industry, to the government as well. Yeah. So a lot of training, a lot of education, upskilling. Mm. Uh, it is expected that in the next five years, 500,000 uh, digital jobs, digital talents will be required. Right. Yeah. With all our graduates and... Yes, yes. Yeah. The, the fourth yeah. area will be the digital economy um, that... All the businesses, literally, in across all the industries, um, would have to look into their own journey of digital transformation. Mm. So, in the Panjana and and so forth, you find that there are a lot of grants, mm. a lot of automation, a lot of uh, what they call digitalization. Yeah. From grant to assistance, mm. uh, adoption program are being put in place or yeah. are, are already in place, mm. waiting for 
more take up. Mm. Right. And that will continue. Um, because here we're talking about 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So digital economy, it is a lot more relating to across all other industries. Mm. Because government has got a specific digital government initiative. Yeah. And the next one is a digital community or the society. Mm. You see, how do we benefit as a citizen? Mm. Right. Then this is where the the cashless payment, the e-wallet that you try to use this now. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't then, work. Well, you got to work more robust, uh, in a more robust manner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also digital ID. Mm. You see today, our identity, right? We mm. say that, you know, we still use the IC to register and so on, right? Yeah, Can you yeah. imagine our digital ID that's tied to all our biometrics mm. features, right? Mm. So anywhere you go, the API of any organization, they can connect to the digital ID. Mm. So then you can be authenticated that Amran is Amran, way yeah. is way, right? Yeah. I cannot simply uh, take your IC, change to my face, right? Because yeah. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Everything will be, yeah. in a way, authenticated through the digital ID. Yeah. So this is also an important foundation for a digital society, mm. along with the uh, you know, cashless capabilities and so on. Mm. Right. Lastly, is about the emerging technology that our country need to be able to evaluate and select some of those emerging technology, be it either nanotechnology, AI, IoT, or blockchain, or drone, or 3D printing, or what not, mm. that will be suitable uh, for our country in the context of our industry, in the context of our, our lifestyle, our people, and so on. Mm. So, while these emerging technologies are being evaluated, there's the need to actually be allow the chance for the technology to be put into use. Mm. And some of them may touch on certain changes of regulation. So that changes of regulation may not happen overnight. Let's yeah. say relating to healthcare, relating to uh, education, and mm. relating to many other sectors, transportation. Mm. That requires that, you know, a lot of law and act mm. to be changed, right? Mm. Um, that will take too long. Yeah. So the emerging technology could be given a sandbox mm. such that in the confined area, mm. then they can operate without that specific license. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so still, these are the six strategic uh, trusts. Mm. And hopefully, uh, with all of, all of our involvement together mm. over the next 10 years, uh, we have a chance to see that Malaysia could become uh, technologically and digitally um, very well-adopted society mm. that our economy is well-developed, uh, people have better life, uh, our industries become a lot more competitive, mm. our government become a lot more efficient. So it's a better life for you and me and everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so, you know, you're, you're obviously not Part of the government, right? So I'm you're not on part the outside, of the government. Right? <laughs> um, right. And and I know you're not a, you're not a mouthpiece for them either, lah. So yeah. how and it's not it's not new, right? That our government comes up with another master plan, another roadmap, right? And I think, rightly or wrongly, a lot of people like myself um, can be a little skeptical, right? That there is nothing wrong with the strategy itself or the roadmap itself per se. It's fantastic. Whatever you've told me sounds good. Great even, and something we should be doing. But our skepticism has always been in the execution, mm. right? So from your view, outside what you've just said, right? 
what needs to happen for it to to get done? Yeah, uh, it requires that strong commitment of the, I use the word leadership. It doesn't refer to one person. Hmm. Because, you know, quite often we say, hey, there must be a political will or there must be a commitment from the leader. Hmm. And we must expand the definition of leadership to every one of us. We are leaders in our own right. You are a leader in the uh, Etika uh, Digital, right? Hmm. You are a leader in the digital industry. You are a leader in the banking industry. Hmm. I'm leader in my own right. Hmm. And then, you know, how many leaders are there in a the country? Hmm. Quite a lot. Uh, I broadly say one million leaders. Hmm. Why? Why do I say so? Uh, you know, in the government, we have uh, many ministries. If you take the top three layers of any of those agencies and the ministries, they are considered leaders because they have to drive a lot of things. Hmm. Uh, if I were to include the state as well and the state agencies, hmm. so this group of leaders will come to about 100 to 200,000. Okay. For mm. now, I say 100,000. Okay. From the government sector. Mm. Right. Now, private sectors, there are 900 over, 900 over 1,000 companies, mostly micro companies, mm. about 700,000, about 200 over 1,000 SMEs. Mm. You know, each SME will have at least how many? Three person? Mm. Right? Mm. So, three person out of 250,000, there will be 750,000 leaders who mm. are in all form of SMEs. Mm. Who can help drive this also. Yes. You think. Mm. Okay. And then, the rest will be from large companies, GLCs. In Brusa, we have 1,000 plus listed companies. Mm. Each company has got their shareholders, have their, their board members. Each company has got, let's say, how many? Uh, 10, 20, mm. or 50. Mm. Right? Plus execution, yeah. Yes, Management plus execution team. leaders. Mm. There'll be easily another 100,000 people. So if I add up, the number will come to 1 million leaders in a country. Mm. So the 1 million leaders will have to take charge and take their responsibility mm. and go forth to adopt digitalization. Mm. The step towards a better organization starts from the leaders. Mm. To make investment, to make the kind of uh, call, to take risks, to train the people, to recruit the people who have the right digital talents, mm. it has to start from leaders yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I would like to call upon our leaders, one million leaders, mm. you and I included, mm. to be part of this journey. And if we can do that, uh, then it could have a chance to see the success one day mm. since it is a 10-year journey. Yeah. Right? And lastly, um, I'm hoping to actually organize this, uh, what they call it, some kind of pledge system. Mm. It's called Akujanji. Mm. Right? As a leader of, of, of my organization, I pledge that I want to actually seek a better outcome, uh, a better business, uh, what they call that, growth and better life for our people by adopting digitalization. Mm. So that is a kind of a campaign that could actually uh, start in the near future. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, in fact, that's a, it's a good way to close this off uh, with your call for everybody to step up as leaders. Uh, 
Yes. And because I think myself included when I hear the the, the program, right? Mm. The, the the strategy. You always tend to just look at it as ah, okay, what are they doing now? What are they planning, right? Mm. And you feel remote to to it in terms of how that's going to be actually executed lah. Yes. And actually that's the wrong way of looking at it, right? Yeah. It's not their problem. It's our problem. Yeah. It's my problem. Yeah. It's my journey. Yeah. My digital journey. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Okay, Dr. Wei, thank you very much for for your one hour or plus plus. Um, definitely do come again as okay. we as we see how that how our journey continues on yes. the on the on the on the digital journey. Yeah. Um, and then you know share a little bit more about your experiences, which is fascinating, right? I mean, you you spend you are one of the pioneers and the most successful pioneers that we have here in in Malaysia. Um, in terms of entrepreneurs, you know, I think that is the dream for pretty much everybody, right? To start something up. Go IPO, and then time to give back, right? You you're in that full cycle already, and I think you know, I commend you obviously for for having such success, and still continue contributing back. That's amazing. I think that's how everybody should be. Thank you for. very much, Amran. <laughs> yeah, I'm honored to be here and to share some thoughts with you as well as uh, the rest of the friends. Alright, thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.